Survivor chronicles the lives of 18 strangers stranded together in the middle of nowhere, forced to build and destroy their own new world. Over the course of several weeks, these island-dwelling men and women are locked in a physically and mentally exhausting battle to outwit, outplay, and outlast each other, voting each other out every three days at the terrible temple known as Tribal Council. After 39 days, one of these castaways will walk away as the sole survivor, in possession of the million-dollar prize that goes along with the coveted title. After only three days, one survivor will walk away from years of dreaming about this journey. Months and months of surviving a grueling casting process. Weeks and weeks of preparation for the game. Days and days on lockdown. And the guarantee of more than a month away from everything and everyone they know and love, no matter how early they lose their life in the game. All for only three days of actual playtime. This podcast is the story of finding this season's first sacrifice to the fearsome survivor gods. This is First One Out. Survivor, Season 35, Day Negative One. Two days before the game begins, Patrick Bolton makes a scene on the beach. The red-headed small business owner with the soft-spoken Alabama accent and an outspoken aversion to the sun is the star of the show as he and his fellow castaways stand in the sand, posing for pregame pictures. The sun. It is too much. For all of them, really, but for Patrick especially. Earlier in the day, he arrives at my jungle cubicle with sunglasses on and two shirts draped over his head and his neck. The burning orange orb in the sky is not Patrick's ally, by the man's own admission, his skin no match for the scorching Fijian heat. Gosh, you're so freaking hot. What do you think of Fiji so far? Man, it's so... F- I, I hope I'm not sunburned after today. Yeah. And I put on sunscreen three times yeah. already. I'm as pale as they get. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and it's hot. And I think... I don't know if the sunscreen, when I put it on, it's like it burns some of my, like, from my face. It burns my skin. Weathering the weather is hard enough for Patrick in our shaded spot several feet from the beach. Out there at the water's edge, it's damn near impossible. A brilliant photographer with a wise beard counts down from three to two to one between setups as he leads the cast through the shoot. And every time, it feels like a minor miracle that Patrick is only bursting into laughter instead of bursting into outright flames. That poor guy looks like Beavis or Butthead. I haven't (laughs) figured out which one yet. (laughs) Lauren Rimmer, a fisherman from Beaufort, North Carolina, isn't reacting to Patrick's performance during the photo shoot. That quote comes from earlier in the day, about an hour or so after Patrick has already passed through my spot on Isle LaBelle, and about an hour before the cast gathers on the bright, shining beach. And it's not the first time someone has described Patrick in vivid fashion. Even earlier in the day, Ryan Ulrich, the bellhop from New Jersey, tells me a curious tale about Patrick Bolton's peculiar behavior he observed on the flight out from America to Fiji. So his carry-on to the plane was a Nike shoebox. A Nike shoebox, which offers nothing. Right? That offers nothing. And... It's like an episode of Seinfeld, right? Like, Kramer's got, like, an empty Nike shoebox as a carry-on, and Jerry's like, what are you doing? Like, the carry-on is like the filet of the flight, you know? And he's got an... And they are very explicit on what to bring and what 
you need a lot of stuff, you know, because they prepare you for if you're voted out first. Patrick and his carry-on shoebox arrived in Fiji a few days ago. Since his arrival, he's been flashing his grin at everyone in sight. He's the smiling type. He not only considers friendliness a virtue, it's almost as if he's personally offended by anyone who isn't exuding similar rays of sunshine. What do you think about him? Uh, yeah, he looks so, so uh, uptight. Really? Yeah, he seems uptight to me. Okay, why? You know, he, he never... He's, he's one of the few that doesn't smile or give you any, like, he, you know, he acts like you're not there. I'm like, come on, guy. We're out here trying to have a good time. We're a survivor. Maybe this is part of his strategy. Yeah. But it's not working with me. That's how Patrick describes J.P. Hilsebeck of the Heroes Tribe. Not that the two can talk right now, but in J.P.'s defense, here's what he said on the subject of Patrick a couple of hours earlier. Ah, uh, guy seems like a fun, energetic type of guy. You know what I mean? Just, uh... There's times to talk and there's times not, so hopefully it, uh, it all works out. Patrick's really making an effort, is the point, to the point that he's making too much of an effort in the eyes of some, like his future tribe-mate Simone Wynn and his future tribe-mate Devin Pinto. He keeps trying to flirt with me, and he is nowhere near the hottest guy here. <laughs> What's he doing? Just, just that. Just all leaning day. in. All the day. All, all damn day. It's Let the like... record reflect that Simone just leaned in really awkwardly close. Okay, and he leans look. in really awkwardly close. He stares at you right in your face. You have to break eye contact or else you know he's going to take it in like a really sexual way. He's like doing this to all the women. I'm not impressed. And you know what? He doesn't have a six pack. So like look at the other guys who have a six pack here and like reflect on your life. Reflect on reflect on changing your body to the persona that you are trying to adopt right here. <laughs> I, I don't see him doing well out okay, here. Okay, why? Uh, I feel like he's trying too hard, right, in this stage. Like, he's trying to connect with everyone a little too much to the point where I could see him being one of those players that gets on the annoying side and gets on people's nerves. Seems like a, a country boy for sure. I mean, first five minutes out in the sun, I saw him come back inside looking like a lobster. So I don't know how he's going to... You know, survive Pretty out here. Pretty hot out here. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> in the thick of the Fijian heat, sitting across from me in the interview hot seat, Patrick Bolton is asked to play a game. We're doing something else now. Uh, so this is going to be can for... I, can I walk over here and take a leak? Yeah, of course. Go for it. Let's try that again. In the thick of the Fijian heat, returning to the hot seat, Patrick Bolton is asked to play a game. Um, all right, I've got some. I've got some pictures of everybody, right. uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to go through them all, and I want to get your thoughts on everybody. We have names with all these. Nope, nope, no names, no nothing. It's just first impressions based on who you've seen. Is this part of what helps pick the teams right here? No, it's not part of what helps you pick sure? the teams. A hundred million percent. A hundred million percent is a very big number, certainly by Ted Math standards. It might not be a big enough guarantee by Pat Math standards. We begin cycling through the photos of his castmates in first-name alphabetical order. And with the second picture, we arrive at one of Patrick's future day-one tribe mates. You know, she's a cute girl. Um, she keeps to herself most of the day. Um, What's she doing? She's always staring into, the, staring into the sky or looking at some palm trees. or uh, You know, she, she doesn't ever, ever make eye connection. Um, and she's, uh, you know, just playing with her, playing with her hair curling it up some more than it already is. <laughs> and uh, 
you know. She's uh, seems seems to be uh, pretty nice, other than just off in her world. Yes. The girl who's off in her own world, according to Patrick, at least, is celebrity assistant Allie Elliott. A full day to the hour after my chat in the jungle with Pat, and almost a full day after the cast photo, it's Allie's turn to sit across from me and weigh in on her future friends and enemies. We arrive at Patrick. He's a goof, man. I mean, he... I'm just scared. Just seeing that picture, I'm scared. I don't know what to expect. I mean, I hope that he comes... I hope he's watched the game. Like, you know, like for me, someone like me, I feel like I can kind of... Um, when a, say a conflict hits or if something happens, I can kind of probably try to figure out a way to, you know, solve it because I've watched the game and seen what other people have done. But for him, and even him, like this whole thing, this has never happened. Not that I know. But I'm like, how? It's interesting. Right? All right, well, I look forward to seeing how that Gosh. plays out. If it sounds like Allie is talking about Patrick like she already knows the guy, well, that's because she does. They went to college together. And now, they're playing Survivor together. Small world, isn't it? Small enough to fit inside a shoebox. Chapter 4. The Hustle. For The Hollywood Reporter, in collaboration with Rob Has a Podcast, I'm Josh Wiggler. Somebody on The Hustler's Tribe may very well be the first one out. But first, before we talk about the full tribe, formerly known as Yawa, we need to talk about Allie and Patrick. Please forgive my unorthodox approach to this overview of the six remaining castaways on the field, but the situation with these two players is so unusual that I feel it requires our immediate attention. Survivor is a game that pits strangers against each other. Except when it isn't. Normally, diversions from the format come in the form of returning player seasons, where castaways already know each other and have even had the chance to become friends with each other. Whether that's a full all-star situation, like, well, Survivor All-Stars, or a half-star situation, like the two fans versus favorites editions. Sometimes, family members and other forms of loved ones get sucked into the Survivor Vortex, in a version of the game subtitled Blood vs. Water. It's incredibly rare for a new player cast to feature people who actually know each other from outside of the game, but such is the case with the Hustlers Tribe's Allie and Patrick, whose lives overlapped once upon a time when they were students at Auburn University. I have no idea how well these two knew each other before the game, but I was floored to learn that Allie and Patrick knew each other before the game at all, and I'm not the only one. The folks who make Survivor were also very surprised at this turn of events, according to executive producer Matt Van Wagenen. And Can you talk about that a little bit? Because that's crazy. It is one of those weird, small world things that you just never would think would happen. And um, it's, but it's going to be interesting to see how she she deals with it. You know, because she clearly has some reservations about Patrick, and she's worried that that could mess with her game. I'm curious if like her first thought um, is to cut his throat immediately and get rid of the evidence. Um, you know, on, on, on the surface, just because you know somebody doesn't mean um, you know, that suddenly they're a threat. But the way the game goes these days, uh, 
people look for an excuse to get rid of somebody, and if they look at them as a couple for any reason, that could definitely be dangerous. The dangerous situation for Allie and Patrick becomes the latest instance of the survivor god's deadly sense of humor. And to extend the cosmic joke further, Allie and Patrick aren't just on Survivor together. They're on the same tribe together. Hashtag blindside. Allie and Patrick are two of the six hustlers, a group that also consists of surf instructor Devin Pinto, fisherman Lauren Rimmer, bellhop Ryan Ulrich, and diversity advocate Simone Wynn. This tribe has been assembled not because they are unique in their abilities to live their lives in the thick of lies, but because of a different definition of the word hustler. Somebody who gets it done. Here's how Jeff Probst describes the concept. The hustlers are a group that, in, a, in many ways, like blue collar when we did that, to me they represent what makes a country work. Because if you look at Ryan, he's a bellhop. If you look at Patrick, he started his own business, a moving company. If you look at Lauren, she's a third generation fisherwoman. None of these jobs are glamorous, but all of them require one thing. You have to get it done. Nobody else is gonna carry that guy's bags. Nobody else is gonna start the company. Nobody else is gonna catch the fish. So if you're looking to be the boss, you're in the wrong profession. You gotta hustle. I admire that. I grew up in Kansas. I mean, that, that's what I was raised with, is farmers who hustled every day to get it done. In this chapter of First One Out, we're going to focus on each of the hustlers in deeper detail, once again in first name alphabetical order, and once again with two truths and a lie in the equation. Which is why we had to start with Patrick, because we're going to start these longer conversations with Allie, and her history with Patrick came right out at the top of our conversation. It's helpful if you have a picture of the guy first. For his part, Patrick never let on to me that he knew Allie already. Interesting. For her part, Allie is much more than this very odd situation, at least in terms of how I viewed her in the immediate aftermath of our conversation. She's someone stepping into an extreme survivor situation, sure, but she struck me as a player who could handle it. Like others on the cast, and even others on her tribe, Allie has been watching Survivor for a while, the show holding great importance within her family on a few different levels. As an assistant to YouTube star Glozell Green and a current resident of Los Angeles, Allie very much lives up to the hustler moniker in her daily life, as Probst will happily tell you. Allie, we liked the minute she walked in. Her energy is really contagious because she's so likable and bright. She just has a big smile, but really fast it becomes apparent that she's, she's not just you know, a young, pretty girl who's bouncing around smiling. She's an she's a intense young woman. I mean, she really wants to play survivor and play well she's thinking about the game all the time being on the hustler tribe she's a personal assistant i mean that's everything you need to know those guys work all day trying to figure it out and but ali i keep going back to this that there's an intensity to her that i don't know if it's just intense because i'm smart and i'm dedicated and my parents raised me to make the most of everything or if it's intense like i'm gonna lose my mind in a minute i don't know i'm really curious to see I think she's really likable at first glance, and that should put her in a good group. She's going to make an early alliance, I have a feeling, and try to lead. 
Allie, how are you feeling? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm yeah. I mean, I'm, I've got nothing at stake right now. You've yeah. got everything at stake, so how are you yeah, feeling with in that? in a sense. Um, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling ready to go, and I'm excited. I'm really excited. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to play a little get-to-know-you game. Perfect. Uh, two Truths and a Lie? Yep. Are you familiar? Yes. So you're going to tell me three things, two of which will be true, one will be a lie, okay. and it will be on me to determine which is the lie. Okay. Go for it. Two Truths. Um, I was born and raised in Alabama. I am playing Survivor with someone I know. Um, and I am 27 years old. Oh my god. Did I do two lies? I might have given two lies. Ooh, okay, so now I have to find the truth? <laughs> yes. Are you 27? I am not. Okay, so that's a lie. Are you playing Survivor with someone you know? I am. Oh my god. Okay, so you were born and raised in Alabama. I was born and raised in... Wait, did I give all lies? No, I did one, two, two lies. Yes. I was born and raised in California. Okay, got yeah. it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Okay, so you're playing with someone you know. What does that yes. mean? How does that work? I mean, I got here and I look over and I see someone that I went to college with. Who is that? Patrick. We went to Auburn together, so that's why I said I was born and raised in Alabama. I just went to college in Alabama. Interesting. And we actually were neighbors and we were kind of in the same circle of friends, in a sense, I guess you could say. Um, it's a big circle, so we weren't close, um, so this is going to be weird. Wow, plot twist. Yeah. So, was that super surreal to see somebody you recognize? Yeah, and it's almost like another thing I have to deal with, you know? It's not only am I playing against, and now it's only 16 people I don't know, but it's now I do know him, so how do I factor that into the game? Like, because I know his tendencies, and it, kind of, um, and I know how he thinks, kind of. So I'm kind of worried. But that makes you worry? Yes. How come? <laughs> because he's just kind of a goofy kind of guy. Like he's all over the place and he's unpredictable, like completely. So I am frightened that he's going to run up and be like, hey, Allie, how are you? And I'm going to be like, no, like pairs don't work. I don't want anybody to know. So my goal is that if, if I can use it as a positive, that it would be a secret. So it would be the secret thing that we had going on. Um, and he if he tells someone, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I've thought about all the scenarios that yeah, could possibly Yeah, have you thought happen. of telling other people that you know this person? Um, only if he's not in my tribe. So if he's not in my tribe and I create an alliance with people that I feel I can trust to tell, I'll say, hey, what do you guys think? You know, I know this kid. We're not really that close. Do you want me to use him or should we just kick him to the curb? That way they know that I'm allied with them and he's kind of a give or take so this is interesting so this is kind of you know you're kind of already game on because of this <laughs> well yeah i mean the second i saw him i'm like now what do i do you know everybody else is you know they're getting ready whatever but for me i'm already in it you know every time i glance i'm like don't look at me too long you know obviously i can't talk to him but it's like don't look at me too long don't you know do this that whatever um so i you know, I don't know until the time comes. Cool. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, this was a major headline, so we mm -hmm. just had to dive into that first. Yeah. But tell me a bit about yourself, Allie. Uh, I'm 24 years old. I'm from Eastvale, California. I was born and raised um, in the Inland Empire, and I um, ended up going to school in, Al in Alabama. I went to Auburn, and now I live in North Hollywood. So I'm a personal assistant in North Hollywood, and I am assistant for Glozel Green, if you know who she is. I don't. She's a who YouTube is she? sensation. Okay. She wears the green lipstick. She's 
a comedian. She's absolutely hilarious. Um, yeah, so I'm her personal assistant. Do you like that job? I love it. Yeah, we work together really well, and every day is different, and um, it's fun. I would say it's fun. Tell me about the Hollywood life. Hollywood. Um, right when I moved to Hollywood, it was kind of like you want to experience the nightlife, you want to, you know, experience the people, you know, whatever. Now that I've been there for almost three years, I don't go to Hollywood. I would rather stay in my house. I don't really go out. Um, people in LA aren't nice, you know. It's, it's, it's sad to say, but anywhere I go, whether it's, you know, I'm single, so whether I'm trying to meet someone or whatever, they're just not nice. Everyone's full of themselves. Um, everyone's caught up in this I think social media can kind of get people caught up in this like unrealistic world and so being in Hollywood it's kind of taken me back some so I'm you know to myself a little bit more because people they're not nice and not very trustworthy and I can't really open up to anybody yeah in LA. Um, what got you into this line of work mm -hmm. into being a personal assistant for a YouTube sensation you know do you want to be in the industry um, I don't know. You know, I went to school for radio, TV, and film. Cool. And so when I got out of school, I was like, well, I don't know what to do with that. You know, you kind of learn a little bit of everything. Um, I did like the concept of producing. Um, I felt like I'm kind of creative in that area. So when I got with Glozell, because before that I was at Access Hollywood as a personal assistant there. Then I was at Fox as a social media assistant there. So I've kind of been in the realm of social media. You're in the biz. Yeah, in a sense. Um, and I enjoy it. I like that, you know, being with Glozell, I kind of get the opportunity to, um, you know, put my hand in a few places just to say oh well, we should do that or you should do that and sometimes it turns out great and people are like oh well that was wonderful you know and for me it, like it's like okay well maybe I'm going in the right direction you know but I really because I'm only 24 and I have this millennial mindset I don't know you know I'm like I'm going with the flow if someone says hey do you want to come do this next week who knows I might you know cool <laughs> so is that how you got on Survivor it was like hey are you interested in this thing You're like yeah sure why not no. or are you a lifelong Survivor fan or something I like am that? a lifelong Survivor okay, fan okay tell me about that so my family like my mom is one of 10 or 11 11 11 kids a lot of kids so, a lot of kids okay. so that whole side of the family is obsessed with Survivor ever since it started I've watched the first episode out of the 35 seasons I've probably watched live at least 20 or 21 That's a pretty big percentage yeah. so um, even when for, I think for my 12 year old birthday party my aunt threw me a survivor party where it was with my soccer team we had to pick I think it was purple and orange were the colors and we had to pick our buffs and we had competitions all around the house and it's just it's literally crazy we even do a survivor pool where we haven't done it in a while but we would pull names of the contestants out of a hat and then whoever you pulled, that's who you were for the season. So we'd have these email conversations saying, oh, you know, you're going to Loser Island, you know, sucks for you. And so it was just became like this almost fantasy world. You know how their fantasy football is fantasy survivor Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, and so it's definitely been a big part. And even my uncle, he was an alternate one year and he didn't end up making the show um, another year. And he was like one of the best people in the entire world and he this was his dream to be on Survivor and so he actually passed before his opportunity. I'm very and sorry so, to hear that. Thank you but he was very healthy he was, it was just very he took a random trip to Jerusalem because he wanted to see all the things that Jesus saw and he actually 
passed in Jerusalem. Oh so it's gosh. kind of this heart-wrenching story because it's just like that was what he wanted to do and it was like he was young and healthy and fit which was so bizarre and um, so him me being here I know he's with me and so having my family behind me and once they get to you know live this with me it's gonna be a really big deal. Wow that's really powerful. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy that after all of that and now here you are out on Survivor. Right. And so even like every day you know I just talking to you I get chills because I'm like I can't believe I'm here like I'm so blessed like this island like just being here I know I'm gonna be <laughs> miserable in you know a few hours but it's just I don't know it's hard to take in. Yeah. Um, you you say that you've been watching Survivor for a very long time, so clearly you've had a lot of time to think about like the game, mm -hmm. the game aspect of, of it. So give me your view of Survivor as a game. What's your philosophy on Survivor? On how to win? Or? On, on the game, on, on the how game. to win, on how to succeed, on everything. Um, I think that people can't come into this game as they treat their real life, I think. Um, I, it, you can't judge people by how they look, and I think that's what we're doing right now. Um, and so once you get to know someone, I think your relationships, bo you bond with certain people that you would never think you would bond with in the real world. Um, I think that Survivor is interesting because it tests you on so many different levels, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, um, and I don't know if people really understand that until we get put into it. You know, you don't understand how much you are alone even though there are people out here. How much you do, you know, you do get hungry, you do get tired. Um, and I'm excited to be a part of it, but I think that this, it's gonna be a, an amazing experience, but I think we're gonna all learn a little bit about ourselves in this game. And I think that the way it's evolved even, you know, strategically, like, you know, things that were used to be important aren't as important now. And, you know, like for me, I'm coming into this thinking, you know, how do I stay middle ground? Because if you're too high, then they're gonna vote you out. And you're too low, they're gonna say you're too weak and vote you out. So how do I stay middle ground in everything? Not even just, you know, my alliance, but, you know, with competitions, you don't wanna win everything. You look at Ozzy and Malcolm, they're out, you know, right. just because they look it. Um, you know, you don't want to, you know, be the smart person because the first time Michaela was around, she was, you know, showing people rocks and stuff, and they're like, wait a minute. Stay away from the Literally rocks. Literally a minute <laughs> later, they vote her out. Like a minute. Like she decided to draw plays on the ground, and there she goes, you know? So it's like, I've got to kind of stay in this realm where people just see me as my, like, as their friend and as their confidant and as their, you know, person to kind of rely on and depend on. And then, you know, hopefully if I can get to the merge, you know, then there, from there out, I can really start kind of playing my game. But my goal at the beginning is just kind of, you know, who do you want to go out? Oh, it's not me? Okay. You know, they can go. You know, A you little don't bit of the Sandra thing. Yeah. Anybody but me. Well, exactly. Exactly. You know, I mean, Sandra, you look at her and, and, you know, even to this day, like, she amazes me. The way she speaks, the way she, you know, it's crazy because she could completely be herself and they still kept her around. You know, they still keep you around, and she's just so bold and straightforward, but that doesn't work for everyone. Like, Michaela, she's completely herself, and people are like, well, this attitude's enough, you know, even though Sandra shows the same kind of sides. Sorry, we're talking game now, but... No, it's great. Yeah, so, you know, for me, I'm like, I would love to show who I really am, um, and people actually like me, you know, that would be great. Cool. So I don't have to be out there being someone I'm not, you know. For our second hustler, we turn to another player who has great appreciation for Sandra Diaz Twine, even if you might not guess it just by looking at him, surf instructor Devin Pinto. I'm not ashamed to say it, Devin is my season 35 crush, and I don't think I'm alone. At the very least, he's very well liked by the other players in the game, based purely on the wordless first impressions forming at Ponderosa. 
He reminds me of almost every guy from my hometown. Very surfer, shakabra, like very mellow and like go with the flow. So I feel like I'll be able to relate to him very, very well. Uh, plus he's, he's gorgeous, tall, dark and handsome. You know, he's got the light eyes. So he's gonna be a good one to like kind of just keep around, I think as, a, as, a, as an ally. Uh, like I said, another good dude. Looks like uh, we get along great. Looks like he surfs just like I do. He's gonna be my bro on the show. You think so? Yeah, he's t a toll surfer. And surfers and climbers, it's the same world, just like opposite ends in the mountains on the ocean. Yeah. yeah he's always doing like some kind of yoga or like reading the surfer book. And yeah, I think we're gonna, it's gonna be a good partnership on the show. Yeah, I think he's really nice. I think he looks like a surfer. He's gonna be a great swimmer, I bet. He's gonna be very easygoing, like, hey, let's go and do some yoga, man. Like, let's go meditate. He's a total goofball. He smiles at everything, but again, he looks awesome. Devin isn't earning universal praise from everyone at Ponderosa, but really, it's pretty close. And it's all according to plan, based on what he tells me of his pregame strategy. What are you doing at Ponderosa right now? Like, what's going what, on with you? Like, oh, what's your, what what's, like, what's your what's my yeah, strategy? Yeah, what Not are you doing being able there? to talk to them? Yeah. So I've just been trying to give every single person an equal connection and not trying to give anyone any sort of like over attention, you know? So I don't know, I wanna, cause I, I don't know where I'm gonna end up. Yeah. So I don't wanna like totally shun a few people and give other people more attention and then end up on the tribe with the people I shunned and then have it stab me or, you know? Right. <laughs> so you just so, wanna keep it wide, cast yeah, a wide net. Yeah, cool. I'm just trying to lay low. Devin looks very much at home within a certain survivor type, with long hair and the big smile and the piercing gaze and the obvious athleticism and the, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, he doesn't have the man bun, but he's definitely of the man bun mold. Somebody who doesn't necessarily look like he's watched a good amount of survivor, but if you think that, you'd be wrong. Here's what Probes thinks about Devin. Then listen in on my conversation with Devin in which you'll hear what it sounds like when a wiggler falls in love. Devin's very likable and he's so good looking and charming and yet you still like him. And I think it speaks to why he's on the hustler tribe because Devin is actually a bit of an exception to the rule, I think, in that I would say Devin's had an easier life. I think, it, you know, if you just look at his background, it hasn't been difficult. But what Devin has done with the choices in his life is say, I'm not gonna take this for granted. I could be a kid that says, oh, something else will come my way. Look at me, doors just open because people wanna hang out. But instead, he takes every gift that lands in his lap and says, I can do something with this. That's a guy that ends up being the billionaire. And you go, how'd you get here? He goes, ah, you know, a couple bucks at a time. And he's still good looking and he's got the cool car and the penthouse in Japan. I think Devin is a real threat to go deep so long as you know, he just doesn't get taken out for being such a threat. I mean, that's the hard thing when you're Devin is you're, you, you're walking, you're a walking billboard for why people want to get rid of you. How are you feeling? Oh, excellent. Yeah, I never, never felt better. Never felt better life. in your yeah. entire life. This All right, like talk me through that. Peak. This is the peak. This is the peak of your life. <laughs> well, no, I hope it keeps going up. <laughs> but the peak up <laughs> but, to this yeah. point. <laughs> feeling pretty good. Yeah. Are you a big survivor guy? Oh yeah, big time. Yeah. Grew up, grew up watching the show. Uh, with my family and yeah still still watching this new season up until I had to leave yeah. yeah you'll come back you'll catch up so let's do a little get to know you 
Okay. Two truths and a lie. Are you familiar with the game? Yeah, I know okay. that. Okay, so you're going to give me three things. Two of them are going to be true. Okay. One of them is a lie. It's up to me to figure out which one is the lie. Testing out your lying abilities right Okay. Now. Okay, so give it to me. What do you got? All right. Um, let's do this. <laughs> okay, let me think of... Yeah. Let me think of the lie real quick. Take a minute. All right, because I got my truth down. That was really easy. Part. Hopefully you know that. You know, <laughs> hopefully you know what's true and what's not. <laughs> let's, okay. work, let's start there. Okay. Um, okay, I'm ready. Okay. So I got a beautiful girl back home. Okay. It's one. I am a surf instructor. Okay. And I practice yoga. Ooh. Surf instructor, you practice yoga, you've got to be a... Listen, man, I could see all of them being true. Uh, but one of them has to be a lie. I'm going to say... I'm going to say you're uh, you're not a surf instructor. Oh, I'm wrong. Okay. Got it wrong. Give it one more shot. Okay. You're into yoga. So that's not a lie. You've got... You don't have a girlfriend back home. I got it? Okay. Well, it took me two shots. There's got to be many beautiful girls back home. For this guy. Well, there's there's lots of beautiful girls yeah. back home, but none of them are mine. None of them for you. <laughs> none of them for you. So you're out here. Are you willing to play the fort card and everything when you see all these people out here? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. Yeah. I'm, yeah, big time. Cool, cool, cool. I'm stoked. Tell me about yourself. Who uh, are you? Who am I? Who is me? It's uh, a good question. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty broad. People, yeah, yeah. People, I bet they define themselves in different ways. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm... Uh, I'm a lover. Okay. Big time lover. Are you a fighter? Uh, when when need be, I'm also a fighter. Okay. But more of a lover than a fighter. Okay. Uh, I love nature. I love being out in the wilderness. I love plants. I love waves. I love surfing. I love my friends, my family. Um, and I just love this beautiful planet in general. Uh, I'm into surfing, I'm into yoga. I grew up playing soccer. So I'm you know, I'm into sports. Yeah. Mostly extreme sports. I like snowboarding. Uh, I think the coolest way to connect with nature is to like get on a board and just freaking ride the most insane perfect wave or go, you know, get dropped off at some untouched mountain and snowboard some fresh powder. What's the coolest version of that that you've done? Where have you where have you snowboarded? What's the best? Um, snowboarding? Oh, I I haven't snowboarded like a real untouched peak. That's like my dream to get helicopter dropped off. Okay, you know, so that's my dream. So we're about to win a million dollars, right? And okay. then like you're gonna hire the helicopter and you're just gonna go <laughs> into the middle of that thing nowhere. Wow, I hadn't even thought about doing yeah. that, but now I you're feel putting like ideas. You can afford that head. if you win a million bucks, right? Like you got to be able to afford one helicopter. Yeah, ah, there's just so many, so many things I'd like to do for people. And yeah, know. what would you do with the million bucks if you won? Uh, I would first of all, you know, be there for the ones who have been there for me. So I'd start with that. Yeah. Um, and then I'd want to start some sort of, uh, like I've been thinking about doing, and this is, you know, my dreams if I win, uh, but got to think positive, got to think, yeah, I'm of course. Win. so I've been thinking, start like an after school program somewhere for underprivileged kids who don't have the easiest lives, don't have like, you know, their parents aren't there for them to provide them with the healthiest food or maybe teach them the healthiest lifestyle. So I'd like to start an after-school program for free for those kind of kids and get them, you know, get them to learn a healthier and happier lifestyle. 
than what they were introduced to. Cool. Unfairly. Yeah. yeah. So you're uh, so you're a, a, a surf instructor by day. Is that is that your main gig? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mostly do it just because it's fun. Yeah. And, you know, I make a little cash. I'm not really too focused on cash in my life right now. You know, the bills. Um, I just make enough to get by, pay for food, pay for my rent, and whatever fun plans I have, you know, whether it be going on a surf trip to Indo with my boys yeah. or, you know, going someplace new, whatever that may be. Cool. Yeah. Um, so you've been watching Survivor for a minute? Yeah, I've been watching it. Yeah, been watching it growing up. I think I watched the very first season with my with my mom. Yeah. So what do you like about it? Oh, it's there's nothing like it. You know, I I just love to see these people who you know, you would never imagine them in this kind of situation where they're just left to survive on their own and live off the land, you know. Most of these, the majority, they're not meant for that, you know. They're, they're city people. They're not, like, even just shitting in the ocean is, like, such a fucking crazy thing to them. And that's, like, my norm. You, you just know? do that all day just, anyway. Yeah. Like, oh, I need to take a shit. Where's, <laughs> where's the nearest yeah. ocean? <laughs> Let's go. Let's drive down the street. Right. So you think it's, like, the kind of thing that shakes people out of their comfort zones. It's, yeah. It's really cool. And the challenges, I, like, I get a huge adrenaline rush. Just watching the challenges, I'm, like, so excited to be out there and actually participate in them. That's You're looking forward to that. Oh, is yeah, that a huge draw time. for coming out here is the challenges and stuff? Well, it all is, but yeah, definitely the challenges. Um, but the whole, everything, everything I'm going to get to experience by participating in this game is like, just blows my mind. It's awesome. So tell me about like your view of Survivor as a game. Obviously, like it's a cutthroat game sometimes. Yeah. It's a lot of blind sides, a lot of head games, things like that. What's sort of your Survivor philosophy when you like look out on how you want to play? How I want to play. So my plan is I already got the, you know, kind of dumb sounding surfer voice. Uh-huh. So I'm going to play great. that. You sound very smart. Don't play yourself out like <laughs> well, that, man. That's what I'm going to got do. It, I'm going to play myself yeah. out that way, you know, let them think that all I do is surf. Uh even though I have a college degree. Where'd you go to school? Sonoma State up cool. in wine country. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a good time. So, you know, I I've accomplished things and I I consider myself an intellectual, but I'm not going to use a single word like intellectual while yeah. I'm on the island, you know, I'm going to be like, oh, what's up, dude? What does that mean? Well, yeah, what, how do we do this? What, what are we doing? Yeah. And I'm just going to try and play that card and hopefully they'll pick off the smarter people who are trying to run things. And then there's a lot of like buff dudes. So hopefully they'll see them as a bigger physical threat and I'll just kind of thread in in the middle. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to be seen as someone who didn't play the game. So maybe to start, I'll play dumb just to get the target off my back. And then once we start, you know. By the way, here's my degree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> once we start threading people out, yeah. then, uh, then I'll bust out the big guns. What did you study? I studied finance. Wow. Which is like, not me. You um, do not strike me as a finance no, guy. No, no offense intended. <laughs> I am a numbers guy, though. Yeah. I've always been good at math. And I don't know, man. I, school is weird. College is a weird thing. You know, I don't. I don't think people really learn what they should learn yeah. when they go to college. What should people be learning? Uh, how to make this beautiful planet of ours survive. Yeah. I think that would be our number one goal. And just to, you know, give everyone on this planet a equal 
opportunity at having a good life and just, you know, sharing the land as it ought to be shared. Well, that being said, I mean, like, we're living in a crazy time where not everybody feels that way. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about that? That must it, infuriate you. Oh, it bums me out to, you know, that's one part about this game, you know. It's all for the million bucks, so everyone's got dollar signs in their mind. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking more along the lines of what can I do with the with the money? How can I start something that's, you know, a bright light on our earth and influences others to do the same? Yeah. So, I don't know. Are you going to be looking for idols? Are you going to be? Oh, yeah, have to always be. I think it's stupid to not look for idols. You know, if people think, oh, he's sketchy because he's looking for an idol. You know, that's not sketchy. It's just playing the game and being smart and getting yourself an advantage. Yeah. But, you know, I'll do my best to hide that I'm looking for an idol. But if I had the option of looking for the idol knowingly or not looking for the idol at all to make my tribe members happy, I'd choose looking for the idol. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um, have you given any thought to, like, what the theme of this is going to be? Like, are you looking I've around been, your cat? Yeah, I've, like, been to, I've been trying to figure that out. You know, I'm curious whether it's going to be two tribes or three tribes, um, whether it's going to be the, the bronze, the brains, the beauties or the blue collar, white collar, no collars, you know. I Where can, would you fall in those? Like if it's a brain, brown, beauty, um, if it's a no collar, blue collar, white for collar? For sure, with the collars, I would be... I don't see no any collar on yeah. you right now. <laughs> no collar, yeah. shirtless, yeah. shoeless, heck if I'm allowed to, <laughs> fucking shirtless. Yeah, the no clothes <laughs> tribe. Yeah, the nudist tribe, that's new. Yeah, it's survivor nudists, that's what this season is. Hey, if there's all girls on my tribe, I'd be all that up for that. That works out. Yeah, 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 yeah. In terms of, I mean, you're a guy who, who clearly, you're you're one with the world. You're a harmony guy. You're somebody who wants peace, right? Big time, big time. Um, how do you reconcile that with a game like this, where like this game like demands that that's not necessarily oh, I, the way of it? You know, I, I'm gonna have no hard feelings in this game. Uh, it's just a game. You know, the real world. You know. That's real shit going down. There's people who are actually suffering day to day, struggling. This is just a game, you know. Whatever bad things happen to us in this game, it doesn't even compare to the troubles that other people experience in the real world. Yeah. So I'm ready to play hard and, you know, stab people in the back. No worries, yeah. I'm I'll I'll play. Yeah, I'm here to play. Third person up on the Hustlers tribe, Lauren Rimmer, a fisherman from Beaufort, North Carolina, with a whole lot of love for her hometown. She has just as much love for the ocean, describing herself as having salt water coursing through her veins. She has even more love for her family. Lauren is a single mother. She's also a sister, a daughter, a granddaughter, and a friend. She's out here because of the people she loves, and she's out here for the people she loves. Sitting across from Lauren, I will admit, I did not feel like I was sitting with someone who could necessarily win Survivor, but certainly someone who could go far, in spite of and perhaps even due to her earnestness, and someone I would love to see walk away with her head held high. No matter her fate in the game, Lauren can take pride knowing that she was one of the people who helped clarify the season's theme for Probst and the producers. My full conversation with Lauren, after these thoughts from Probst. Lauren is a fish out of water which is ironic given that she fishes. 
But she's a fish out of water, I think, because she doesn't socialize the way a lot of these people do. She hasn't left her hometown maybe ever. Third generation, living on a, on, going out on a boat and having to fish and get it done. You know, she told us, I have a small section of the year that I have to catch all my fish and make all my money. And I'm a mom, and it's a lot of pressure, and it's risky. I'm out in the sea, you know, doing my thing. All that can come in really handy on the survival part, but survivor is about the social part. And you have to blend with people. So she's either somebody that people go, you're a little out of your element, but you're really likable and I can use you to help me. Or she's going to be so out of her element that people go, I don't know, the, the woman over there that's not talking much. So I'm not sure. Lauren, how are you feeling? I'm feeling peachy. Yeah? Peachy and ready to roll with it. Ready to do this thing. Yes, very much so. How did you get out here? What is, what is your story with Survivor? <clears throat> Uh, my story is my sister and I are both pretty good fans. She's a major, major fan. Um, they had an open casting in Greenville, North Carolina, and my sister found out about it and wanted to go. So we got up really early and drove to Greenville, which is probably about an hour and 45 minutes away from us. Got there um, extremely early, actually, and waited about four hours in line and uh, talked my minute in front of the camera and Halloween night they gave me a call and said I wasn't really enthused on the camera and I called them I said well I really wasn't expecting to try out because my sister lied to me and told me that she was the only one doing it but when we got there you know to wait in line you had to have a number so with about 4,000 people standing behind me I wasn't gonna leave her there so uh, I got my number two and here I am. That's a pretty amazing story. First off, to get the call on Halloween is kind of eerie. Yes, we were trick-or-treating um, in the neighborhood and I got the call and I actually ignored it because I thought it was a telemarker. Yeah, and that's the standard move. You get a, a call from a number you don't know, at least leave a voicemail and then we'll talk. And then we'll talk. What were you doing for Halloween? What were you dressed as? I was dressed as me, myself, and I. <laughs> so you're not much of a costume person. No, I've never been a costume person, so it was, you know, and plus with, you know, with society now, when adults dress up, it's kind of on the weird end, especially uh -huh. when you're trick-or-treating with kids. So uh, I kind of wanted to look halfway normal in case you never know what could happen yeah. you know, with a lot of kids walking around. All right, so let's play a little get-to-know-you game. Uh, the get to know you game that I would like to play is called Two Truths and a Lie. Have you played Two Truths and a Lie before? Never. Okay, so Two Truths and a Lie, very simple game. Uh, you're going to say three things about yourself. Two of them are true. One of them is a lie. And then I'm going to try and figure out which one is the lie. Okay. So, let's think. Take your, take your time, gather your thoughts. Two truths and a lie. I am hardworking. I am a liar. I am. Can I start over? Sure. Okay, because I didn't mean to say liar. I meant to say something else. Okay. okay. Um, two truths and a lie. I am always positive. Okay. I am always honest, and I wear my heart on my shoulder. Okay. I'm gonna say you're not always honest because something has to be a lie. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I'm, trying to convince myself <laughs> that's what this game was really about convincing myself that i could really do this well what's your what's your comfort level with the lying and dishonesty that's usually associated with a game like survivor um my comfort level is pretty much game one you know i'm, I'm here to win i'm not here to pacify anybody 
Um, I'm here to try to stay focused. So if it takes telling a little white lie, then it's going to be a little white lie. Sometimes it might be a big white lie. But um, whatever it takes to move me forward. You're, you're willing to do? I'm willing to do it, cool. yes. Um, tell me a little bit more about yourself. You're, you work in a, you're a fisher, fisherman? I'm a commercial fisherman Okay. Uh, out of Beaufort, North Carolina. So I stay busy year-round. Um, you know, I kind of work seven days a week if the weather's pretty because I never know when I'm going to have a bad day that I can't go. So I always have to be ready and willing to go and make money because if I don't get up and go, then I, I really don't get a paycheck. And um, being a single mother, you know, I have to, it's just not me. I have someone else depends on me. So I have, that's my big motivation is her. And um, so you have to be positive and you have to be willing to do just about anything. And, you know, I chose this industry for a reason because it is my passion and I am a third generation. Um, I could do anything I wanted to do and still could, but my heart is just on the water. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of salt water that runs through my veins and I stand true to it. Third generation. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. I don't particularly want my daughter to do it. I'm okay. hoping that she will, you know, go to school and go to college and find something a little bit not as hard on her body because, you know, I have a lot of scars. I probably got I got to imagine it's very physical work. It's very physical. It's very hard on your body. Um, you know, when I'm when it's hot, I'm hot. When it's cold, I'm cold. So I have to, uh, I don't really get to pick and choose my days. You know, that pretty much makes me a big survivor right there, just getting up and going. Yeah. Are you okay to take a break right now, though, to be out here instead well, of Well, right there? now, uh, taking a break right now, Darren, this is the beginning of crabbing season. So all my crab pots are sitting in the yard right now. And this is, you know, in the very beginning of the year is when you get the highest price. So I'm missing the highest price for the product. So it's a sacrifice. It's a big sacrifice, you know, because, you know, sometimes you can... You know the price ranges but in that first couple months that's top top dollar and you really have to you have to go can you so, tell me a little bit about olivia um i would love to tell you a little bit about her she's nine years old she was uh, born on elvis presley's birthday awesome so we always pick and play about that you know um she's a she has a great personality she's her sense of humor is a lot like my myself and my mother my mother we all kind of run along the same you know we're very energetic people she's a she loves art she in soccer she um but art art's one of her things she just has a knit for it um she can she goes to art classes after school and um you know she goes fishing with me she's been going fishing with me since she was a year old you know i i would have took her earlier but i was scared the mosquitoes would take her off uh -huh. so i didn't want her to suffer you know i do have a heart as some of you know to an extent but um so but she she loves it you know she's when she gets tired she has her own bean bag she climbs in it she she'll either you know cuddle up or and um you know i always take my little dog i have a havanese and um he's his name is scooter and he's my main man nice so between I love the name scooter yeah scooter yeah. boy so um between him and her you know we stick together we spend a lot of time camping on the chakra banks and having cookouts so um our fourth of july's are on the shore listening to jimmy buffett or whatever we can come up with and going with the flow and enjoying ourselves and hoping somebody can get us to the house there you go. <laughs>
So, I mean, hearing how hard you work and like what goes into that and also hearing uh, about your daughter and how much you love her and everything, I feel like I don't even ask, have to ask why you're out here. Uh, you're clearly out here for her. Yes. I'm here to um, not only her, but actually, you know, my myself, um, probably my mother and Olivia. My mother is, you know, getting ready to be 60, and she's retired twice, and she's worked really hard. Yeah. Yeah, of course. No, not at all. Not at all. This is all a very intense experience. Mm-hmm. So you want to make things better for her? She's a really hard worker. And so is my father, so... Coming home with a million dollars? That'd be big. Neither one of them would have to work and, um, could relax. Yeah. You know, my father's paid, uh, he's paid insurance for many, many years. And being self-employed, you pay for it out your pocket. Yeah. Well, he's got some hernias and heart attacks and stuff like that. And you wouldn't think it because of how physical, but it's a, it's hereditary. Yeah. So, um, he was supposed to have a hernia surgery and in December. And they kind of pushed it along till January. And something happened when my mother, you know, sent in the check to have the insurance. They, she was like a day late. Uh -huh. She didn't know it. I mean, she sends it in every month. These not, bills we, are designed to be so confusing. They anyway. are. Yeah. And um, so they canceled him. Sent her her check back. Sent her $1,000. No hernia surgery. No insurance. To get it back would be like 4000 So, winning this makes a difference would make a huge difference yeah so and my grandmother you know she's um excuse me she's 77 and she still teaches yeah she still subs and um none of this is by choice this is all reality we all don't have it as easy as some people yeah so in order to do this in order to in order to actualize that vision you're willing to play. You're you're here. You're gonna. I'm here for blood. Yeah. So tell me about that. So tell me about your philosophy on Survivor. My philosophy is, play smart, play with my head, and not play with my heart. I'm here to, you know, really not make friends. I need to pretend to be friendly, but uh, at the same time, I need to keep in mind that there's a number one goal, and that's being here for 39 days. And um, Lord willing, I'll be here. Yeah. Um, so with your background and what you do, do you feel like you're going to be a provider out here? Um, I would like to think so, you know, but I can't really predict that. I don't want to put myself on a pedestal, you know, because that's where you'll mess up. Um, I'm in a, I'm in a different environment. You know, if, if we, if we did Survivor at my house, then, Done. then heck yeah, <laughs> we'll eat every night yeah. like kings. But, um, you know, this is, I'm in a totally different surrounding. So it's going to take time and, um... To be honest with you, it's just going to, really my knowledge of knowing the tides and the moons and stuff like that and which way the sun rises and sets, you know, things like that I pay attention to. And it will make a difference, you know, with, um, because I do know a lot about different 
species and most species all really kind of stay on the same flow so if you know I you know I can crab when the tide gets high and you know, we can make string lines and we can do it on the shoreline right there in the evening or something you know um, my knowledge of knowing how to do all those things will help but I almost want to make it somebody else's idea yeah so my goal is to um, throw it out there but let someone else take the credit for it, and hopefully it'll keep me pushing, and it'll keep me further in this game. Are you going to let people know what you do? No. Um, my, my goal is not to let them know, because I don't want them to have this high expectation. And then, you know, let's say I go swimming around, and I don't see anything, or I don't get anything. Well, then you come back, and you're not a provider. So you've got to try to explain that, right. and then you've got to try to dig yourself out of a hole. So why put myself in a position I don't want to be in? Right. So what are you going to tell them that you do? Uh, I'm going to tell my landscape because I do I do do that on the side. So it's not a lie. Um, I'm going to be honest to a point, but uh, at the same time, I've like I said, you know, I'm here to win. I'm not here to be friendly. But uh, I'm going to put myself off as that way. Cool. You know, you kind of have to be that way. Fourth hustler on the board is Patrick Bolton, but really he's already on the board, so no need for another hugely epic introduction. Let's settle instead for a slightly epic introduction, in the form of Patrick Bolton's battle with a big, fat Fijian bug. Got a guy on you. He's coming up this way. Grab him. He's, he's going further. He's going up the neck. You got him. Oh, gosh. Him. He's, he's gone. He's you're done. sure? Yeah. Oh, you got it. Okay. You did it. You're a killer. Thanks. Now Thanks. you're officially ready for the game. Oh, yeah. I tried to kill a shark a minute ago. Really? Yeah, I saw it swimming in the water. Tell me about that. So You just saw it like, swimming around? You yeah, we were, we were doing a little video uh -huh. uh, shoot, and it's like, there's a shark. And I had a crab in my hand right before I picked up a crab off the beach and was taking a picture with that. And then I grabbed me a stick of bamboo, and, you know, I got out there, got skittish, knew I was coming to kill it. Yeah. It didn't want to kill me. Yeah. It was too small. Yeah. You'll uh, see it another day. Yeah. It was I mean, a promise. Yes. <laughs> Future murder. Yes. <laughs> I'm coming for that shark. More from Patrick coming right up. But first, let's hear from Probst. Patrick fooled me in casting. I think I got had. I think what Patrick presented was a really likable guy, very hardworking guy. I mean, again... He started this company and he described to us, he goes, I went door to door basically to every business and said, if you ever need to move, call me, I'll have a better deal and I'll do a better job. And then I sent flowers to every place and said, it's from me, Patrick, the mover guy. I was really impressed with that. That's work ethic. And he does have this big smile and it's, you have to see it to understand it, but it's really a big smile and it's on all the time. But then we met the day before the show started out here in Fiji, and I thought I saw part of Patrick, which is you're a little bit more of a conniver than I realized. That smile, while genuine, is also the same smile that says, yes, I'm laughing with you, and oh, I'm also laughing at you. You know, sharks look like they're smiling, <laughs> right? Before they bite your face off. Yeah. I think Patrick is in trouble, actually, because with this group, I think he's going to be odd man out. Now, if he can figure out the charm he showed me in the casting and turn that on, then he'd be fine because he charmed me. And I'm not saying he's not charming. I'm just saying that I think Patrick is closer to a villain than a hero in terms of how he's going to play the game. And I worry that that smile, because it's so 
prominent might actually annoy people. Almost like if you're in prison and some dude comes in who's happy and you're like, wait a second, you can't be happy out here. That just doesn't work. So get rid of the smile. <laughs> Hello, good sir. How's it going, I'm man? Josh. Patrick. Patrick, really nice to meet you, man. Really nice to meet you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You feeling okay? I'm feeling great. This is crazy, huh? Yeah, it's awesome. Are you a big Survivor fan? Yes. So this must be nuts. Yeah. Tell me about that. Oh, you know, so it's going through the process has been kind of, you know, you're not ever certain about knowing if you're going to make it on Survivor. Yeah. And so you, you go to your first round in Los Angeles. Um, you're sequestered to your room. You get handouts. At first, I didn't know if I was actually part of Survivor, if this was a scam, and uh -huh. they got my social and all my information, and I was about to be taken. This sort of, uh, would Liam Neeson have to help? Well, you, probably. Yeah, he would. It would. He would definitely have to come find me because yeah. they were. They had all my information. Yeah. They were about to take me, and then I found out that I got called back, and you know, one thing led to another, and then they started asking for clothes and the wardrobe and everything I'd need to be on the show and it's you know it's been a thrill to see it all unfold. Was it like getting on the plane where you were finally like yeah so now I'm actually going to Survivor? Like when was the moment where like they're not fucking with me I'm just actually on Survivor? <laughs> well I guess the moment when when she sent me my second plane flight back to LA I knew I was going at yeah. that point and then I still you get there and you're like all right one more day of waiting and then you get here and you're like when are we gonna start? Yeah. Because oh, you know they don't there is no known information. They give you a list of things to bring, and they say, well, here's the dates, and this We'll all take that, care of everything yeah. else. We'll take care of you everything just show else. Up. Yeah, exactly. So pretty much, I, I still, I don't, I mean, I'm not sure if we're starting tomorrow or the next day. It's, Zip lips, can't say. They, yeah, but no, I hear you. Nobody, nobody really knows. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's, it's been, it's been uh, just a beautiful experience seeing all the, the islands, being, uh, meeting all the people. Uh, it's, uh, it's been just a thrill, honestly. Would you like to play a little get-to-know-you game? Yeah, let's, let's go ahead. I love um, games. Two truths and a lie? You know two truths and a lie? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so two truths and a lie. Bonus points if you're going to lie to me about something that you're planning on lying about in the game. No, I don't, I'm not planning on lying about anything really. Okay, all right. Well, we'll get into that as well, I'm sure. Yeah. All right, so give me, give me the, the things. All right, two truths and a lie. Yeah. N not in any order. No, hide them as well as you can. I have all to right. ferret out the lie. So, I'm from Alabama. I'm an orphan. <laughs> oh my God, I mean, if you're smiling about it and then it's true, that's a good way to throw me off. And, um, yeah, you know, I get sunburned easily. I'm going to say that you're an orphan is a lie. Yeah, it is. I'm <laughs> a terrible liar. So you're a bad liar. Yeah. Do you know that about yourself? I've already told somebody else I'm usually not a good liar. Uh-huh. Sometimes I am. It depends on the situation. I, if I know, I like my life depends on it. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna have to be serious. Yeah. But you know, I'm 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 not naturally a good liar. I've always told the truth, and you know, sometimes it's not a good thing. Yeah. Most of the time, that's perfect. Yeah. You know, people love hearing the truth, but you know, in this game, you know, truth is not, uh, truth is not the thing you really need to be telling people. Yeah. Necessarily. Yeah. You know, you gotta tell some people the truth, and some people not the truth. Yeah. So you're figuring that out still? Yeah, no, oh, I'm, I've definitely figured that out. I've watched lots of seasons. Um, there's one thing that is true in Survivor is that don't believe what you hear. Yeah. Nobody is going to tell you exactly what they want. 
You so know, are you are you talking quietly right now because you're afraid that other people are listening, yes. or are you just a quiet talker? Yes, because I feel like you I can hear talk. Somebody. You can you can talk like this. All of the players are very intentionally segregated. You can talk at this volume and you'll be fine. All right. So you've watched a lot of Survivor. I have watched lots of Survivor. Tell me your history as a Survivor guy. Um. So, as a Survivor guy, I've uh, watched a few seasons, and they, then it it kind of died off for me. When I when I figured out that I was going to be possibly on the show, I, I, I went back. I got my CBS login. Yep. And I all started, access, baby. All access, and I was binge watching season after season. I would I probably watched the season in a day. Okay. That kind of can tell you how much I was watching to kind of catch up and see what everybody been uh, had been doing. And how many did you get through? Uh, so I probably watched eight or nine right now total seasons. Cool. And uh, so I don't know if that would, I don't think that would consider me a super fan or not. It's a, it's a good, it's a healthy chunk, but okay. the, but the bar is high for super fan Super status. fan, you got to watch everyone. When you get out of here and if you're, if you're not sick of Survivor yet, catch <laughs> up and then we could talk. All right. So pretty much, uh, since then I've watched, I've watched a lot more episodes and I've gotten, uh, a lot more familiar, a lot more familiar with the show, like catching me up to speed on what else has happened. Yeah. Since I previously watched. So tell me about yourself, man. I know you're a business owner. I don't know what your business is. So my brother and I, we started a moving company in Auburn, Alabama, and it's called Bolt Movers. We we started that while we were both in school. Um, I was a sophomore. He was, uh, I believe, a senior. And, you know, uh, going from door-to-door departments and putting, putting up uh, notes in apartment complexes at the front office desks. Pretty much anybody that, that we thought needed moving services that we could we could help with, we we'd reach out to them, and uh, we did that. A few people called us, told them to take all the notes down that we were harassing and not supposed to be sticking things places. So uh, next few days, we started getting calls. We started you know making some money, and it was honestly just for some pocket change along through school. We worked two months and we wouldn't hear another call until next summer rolled around when people yeah. needed moving help. So we, we did that for two two summers and then uh, when when I got ready to graduate, uh, we before or I guess right before I graduated, we had a few uh, uh, residential clients that wanted uh, us to move them and we didn't realize that moving could cost as much as it did. Yeah. So we, um, to get to get business, I didn't know how to quote any jobs, so I would go and take pictures and look at everything we we're gonna move, and then I would call our local moving company, Two Men in a Truck, or the other companies in our local, you know, 45-minute area, and I would get them to give me a price on what they would charge for, and then I'd undercut that, and we'd do the service. And after doing that 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 times, yeah, I kind of figured out how they were pricing it, and I came up with my own pricing structure on how to get to their same price every time. Uh, so I had built a quoting uh, Excel document and uh, one thing led to another. We started, you know, satisfying one customer to the next, to the next. And then now the phones, you know, they're constantly ringing. People constantly needing service. Yeah. We were the, um, we're, we were kind of like a monopoly or the other company was a monopoly in town until we started serving other customers better service lower prices it can't be beaten yeah and so people started obviously calling for that it was we got 
I mean, still majority is all referrals, but people, other people started finding us through the internet. And then now we're looking to really grow our team. My brother's now in Nashville and I'm in Auburn. So you're going multi-state? Multi, multi places, looking to expand. We just need the right, right people in place. And um, we need we need good team members, and our all our business is revolving around our teams and our clients. So if we have good good team members, we'll get more clients, and uh, go that way. If, if a customer leaves unhappy, then you know we didn't do our job. Yeah. So this sounds like you can transpose this to Survivor, right? Like the the calling the companies and finding out the quotes and gathering information and coming up with a new play. Do you feel like your line of work prepares you for a game like this? As far as the hard work goes, I don't I don't think that being able to uh, you know win the challenges, if there's anything like heavy lifting or any you like that. agility, I think I got that. Yeah. And you know I'm I'm just ready to get out there and play. Yeah. And I'm hopefully uh, gonna leave at last. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that would be great. That, that would, would be, be amazing. A, that would be ideal. So you you watched a season a day uh, over the course of what, like a week and a half, two weeks or something. No, like so that? I watched. I in my like best day, I probably watched the season. Sure. In a day. So let's call it like so three weeks. Over a few weeks, a few I weeks. watched several seasons. So what are your takeaways about what this is, about what Survivor is? What's your Survivor philosophy that you divine from that? So Survivor philosophy is, you know, you've got to be fully in. You've got to be constantly watching your back. Watching your back is so vital. If you think that at any point in time you were comfortable because people are saying the things you want to hear, that is not true. Yeah. In some cases, obviously, you have to trust people, but you you can never give your 100% trust and know that that's the truth, because so many times people get blindsided, and they're taken off the game, and they're heated, and the last thing I want to do is go into council, tribal council, and think that I'm ready to go, and then I get cut off from the feet. And I'm just sitting there like, wow, I really, this really just happened to me. So, and I, I know it's a very intense game as far as we're sitting around, you know, in in the elements. Yeah. We're hot. We're sticky. We're, you know, we, it's not a luxurious thing in any means unless you're winning and then getting to go to a resort for part of a day. Right. But the majority is it's very... Um, very strenuous on your body and it's it's not easy yeah so i'm gonna be hoping to stay in the shade as much as possible i get sunburned so easily being a ginger it it really just eats you up um so <laughs> it's tough i'm it's, sure it's awful <laughs> so uh, i'm gonna be be looking to be in the shade as much as possible also if i need to build build us a nice shelter to provide us great shade I'll be doing that and catching fish, making sure all the girls are happy, you know, making sure that uh, pretty much that I stay off the main topic of thought. Yeah. You know, aside from, you know, when I blindside somebody, yeah. cut them down. Sure. 
because I want to win. I need that vote. Like, wow, he really played a great game. I didn't see that, that move coming. So let's talk about that for a second. I mean, you mentioned uh, when we played our silly little tr- two truths and a lie that you're not a great liar. Is not that always. How you feel? So how, how are you going to be able to get over that for, for this? How are you getting yourself into the place to be comfortable with doing that? Well, see, you kind of put me on the spot with uh, truth, two truths and a lie. Yeah, but that being said, this, this is Survivor this where you're going to be put on put the on spot. Put on the spot, yeah. So if, if I think I need to come up with a lie, on the spot. Yeah, it do could be, better than I'm an orphan next time. Just do a little bit better yeah, than that. I could do better than I'm an orphan. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. being said, I would like to, I'm, I'm going to be thinking about it all the time. The knives are out when I visit Hustler's Beach on day two. Rock scrapes against metal as men and women in blood-red buffs take turns sharpening a machete. They aim to use the blade to aid in the creation of their developing shelter, impressive in scope and shade, even in this nascent stage. Ryan Ulrich, a bellhop from New Jersey, looks unexpectedly intimidating when it's his turn to pick up the knife. Perhaps that's because it's an easy visual metaphor for how this longtime fan plans to play the game. One careful cut at a time. Ryan, the proud pioneer of survivor turtleneck fashion, sits on a stump at the top of a sandy hill, unfortunately not a sandy crater, from which he enjoys a full view of the Fijian beach below, where Devin Pinto sits, calm and cross-legged, meditating beneath the morning sun. Ryan watches Devin from the hill in between blade strokes. If he was any more laid back, he'd fall over. Okay. He sits with his back against the tree with coconuts right over him, doesn't care that they might crack his head. He does not care. He's got, you know what, I got another head, you know? Stares off into space constantly, is uh, reading a surfing book, just cover to cover, page to page. Um, And he, he seems like he's really, really laid back. I'm not laid back. I'm not a bro. I, I've never surfed, you know? I, I don't like swimming in the ocean. So it's, uh, that, but that's all he cares about. I mean, he's, he's, his base tan is phenomenal, phenomenal base tan. So that's someone who I'm not alike. While she lacks a perfect view of the beach and therefore a good view of Devin, Simone Wynn has a great view of Ryan from the shelter's bamboo bed, such as one exists. The comments she made to me about Ryan a couple of days earlier could very easily apply to the present picture of Ryan, alone on the hill, movement slow, except for his eyes, which are all over the place. He's got to chill for five fucking seconds because everybody wants to work with him and he's here thinking that everybody's going to judge him and that everybody's going to think that he's such a pipsqueak, but you know what? It doesn't matter. You know, you can be as small as you want and you still might be really good at puzzles. I have no idea, but he really needs to chill because he his nervousness is showing. Ryan was the fourth person I interviewed from the season 35 cast. And when he came in for our conversation, he came in hot. He was barking mad that the distinguished Dalton Ross and the great Gordon Holmes, the twin pillars of the Survivor press corps, skipped this trip to the beach. Dropping those names and even bringing up song parodies and Wanda with me, served as an easy shorthand for an obvious fact. Ryan Ulrich is a Survivor super-duper fan. His self-deprecating humor and his mile-a-minute mannerisms served as an easy shorthand for another obvious fact. Ryan Ulrich is tweaking out. And it's understandable. 
The dude's on Survivor, dream come true. But all it takes is the right amount of nervous energy to turn a dream into a nightmare. And that was my immediate concern with Ryan from the moment we started talking. His clear knowledge of Survivor as a show and Survivor as a game notwithstanding. Listen on for what Probst thinks about Ryan and then feel Ryan's energy for yourself. I only wish Ryan had said his last name when I asked him what his name was because Ulrich is a Survivor last name. He would like to correct you, by the way. It's Ulrich. He oh. has made it a point to tell me that thank it is you. Ulrich, so I will pass it along to oh, you. Thank you. Indeed. I've been saying that wrong. Ulrich. And hopefully soon he will be Ulrich. Maybe. I don't know. You know, you, you got to... You gotta, the last name is a weird thing because it's, it's become a thing. You have to earn it. But earning it what? Through my eyes? It's ridiculous, <laughs> right? That you... That that, but they come in and Lynn gives us a card... And I pick up the card and I look at it and I set it down. Like, what do I need a card for? I just want to get to know you. So I typically don't know where they're from anymore. I rarely know their last name. I don't think I know anyone else's last name other than Ryan's. And only because I thought Ulrich was a great last name. Ulrich, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) So, because really, we've gotten on Survivor to where we only care about your essence. Call yourself whatever you want. Tell them you do whatever you want. I don't care. It's your game. But your essence is awesome. And Ryan is, he's going to go down if he lasts long enough, is one of the great storytellers. He's got a great gift for Gab. He's very witty, great wordplay. He's really smart. And, you know, I, I hope he lasts because he's, he's in a league that we've never really had. Yes, he's kind of like Cochran and he's kind of like David, but those are sort of cliche comparisons. I don't really think we've ever had anybody like Ryan. I'm on, like, The Price is Right or something. <laughs> Josh. Ryan Ulrich. Nice to meet you, Ryan. Josh, you're wiggling. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm expecting the star treatment, right? So, yeah. the Holy Trinity, yeah. got Ross, Holmes, Wiggler. Right. Yeah, I Only know. Only God's here today. Well, I I killed Dalton and Gordon. Right. So, I they're kn- gone. I knew that was you. Yeah, I'm not supposed to so, tell you, you any information. The yeah, and yeah. so now I'm just stuck here in Fiji. That's one and of the twists And it was a bit hard season. to get to you. Uh, yeah. Wind it down path, you know. Oh, I'm in the shade just because it feels a little, better. A little difficult. Well, see, I actually asked for the shady spot because now I can since well, I'm the you're king the only of the press. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, I've yeah. conquered the others and now, now I'm you... waiting for someone to step up and challenge me to Mortal Kombat. For sure. All right, so here, here's what we're doing. Just to give you the spiel, clearly you know Survivor. Wait, one more thing. One yes. more thing. I want a song parody. Okay, you'll get one. We're not doing Not on the spot. I can't just do it right Listen, now. Okay, I'm not I'm not I asking. need to see your material first and uh, then You'll see the material. Okay. But we're not doing like Wanda's taking a break. Okay. 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 All right. We're not okay. Doing that. Now, you in the mayo jar like that another cute moment. We're upset. We're upset with Listen, Nick right now, okay. you know. Okay. Like we're we're healing things, but we're just not all Nick together. Nick Mar- Nick has never taken down anything. All right. So your team Wiggler versus team Nick. Is there a team Nick? That's great. Okay. That's great. Okay. Yeah. So you are officially my favorite person you, out here. I've survived just as many tribals as he has as you have. <laughs> Right? Yeah, that's so, right. That, yep, that's we're all on the same page. Yep. We're all on the same page. Yep. Um, Ryan, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling confident. Um, you know, I don't look like I should be on Survivor. I look like I should be in like an air-conditioned room or like getting ready for a spelling bee or doing something indoors. So I think, you know, it, it's going to work to my advantage, though. You have a lot of guys here who are... Like the one guy has toe muscles, Wiggler. Toe muscles. I've never, I've never seen. I those didn't even before. know that that was a thing. Well, did, yeah, I didn't know muscles were a thing, and he's got them <laughs> on his toes. You know, so I, I'll be in a turtleneck. You know, Survivor first. Hashtag. I. It's what I'm comfortable. Turtleneck's in. gonna be hot out here, man. Yeah. Um. You know, I have thought about that. That has crossed my mind. 
but um you know people wear long sleeves all the time yeah and uh and it'll be like the bug bites are you know terrible uh, i mean that was kind of redundant there's not a that there's not great, a good bug that bite. was a great bug bite <laughs> hey thanks well i mean maybe like a good bug bite in terms of like good job bug like that bite yeah, was like really prime that's true yeah, but for could, us as people there are no good bug right bites. yeah yeah oh like it, the bug goes back right to the other that people. was like they like you a should, grand slam of harry bug bites. you thought that was good on tuesday yeah. you should have seen what yes, i did correct but um yeah and like when i wear a turtleneck like people can think like oh my god at least i'm not that guy yeah and i've gotten that all my life right yeah. that, that's not a new statement at least i'm not the guy in in the in the turtleneck who's who's you know shouldn't be right. here so you know, I'm I'm stoked to be here. I'm stoked to be here because I am a fan, as I think you could probably I can just pick that up. Yes. All right. Yeah, I mean, meeting Josh Wiggler, I mean, this is like a... This is the thing. This is why you came out yeah, here. Yeah, I, I don't even watch the show. I just read your <laughs> columns. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So it was, um, it's just, I mean, my parents are stoked. I'm stoked. And I just, I just can't wait to get, to, I mean, I've met Probst. Yeah, you I have. I mean, what a guy. What do you think of Jeff Probst so far? You know, um, he's good. He's good. He's, uh, no, I mean, he's... Yeah. I mean, come on! It's freaking probes, yeah. you know. And he keeps pronouncing my last my last name wrong. He keeps calling it Ulrich. It's Ulrich. Okay. So these are the things, like you know, I just shoot him a text, you know, like right. come on, you got to get this stuff. Well, right. you'll have to correct him on day one because I assume you're going to be asking him to refer to you by your last no, name. No, no, because you don't. I, I don't want anything. You know, anything that reminds me of a former winner mm. in anybody's eyes, probably not. Not great. Yeah. Um, th- I will be going by the name Adam Klein, though. So that, <laughs> okay, great. Just call me Adam Klein. <laughs> great. Yeah. All right. Let's 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 uh, let's play a little Get to Know You. All right? Go ahead. Um, two truths and a lie. Okay. All right. So give it to me. Okay. So at the age of 10, I was in a championship horse competition. I rode horses, and then I had a really bad injury, so I had to stop doing that. Okay. The second one was I am a gigantic sports fan, like die hard, die hard New York Giants and New York Yankees fan. Uh, you ask me anything about those teams, I could tell. Okay. I could tell you. Eli Manning is my hero. Okay. The third is um, I'm a huge Republican, but I've uh, interned with both houses of Congress and I worked for a Democrat. Okay. So. Um, now, two truths, Wiggler, and one lie is in there. Well, things are going so well for us. That I'd like to think that you're not a sports fan. I'm a sports fan. You are a sports yeah, fan. Yeah, giant okay. season ticket holder. Well, I do have your bio, so I know that you're a Republican. <laughs> okay. Okay, so but, so I don't know if you would work oh, for so, a Democrat. Oh, hold on. I, oh, yeah, like, no, no. Okay, I'm, let's go into truth and oh, lie. Oh, Ryan. Oh, wait, oh, yeah, I yeah, have Yeah, I have the bio. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Survivor. Life's not fair. Right, um, right. So I'm going to go with that being oh, as, as you're the, the expert on Survivor. I saw you try that lock in second chance. Okay? I never said that I was good at challenges. Okay, I but you know that's on tape. You know it's on it tape. It is on Wiggler, tape. All right, know? well, and it's a long tape. Oh, you better it's be. Long- oh, you better be beautiful <laughs> at these challenges, Ryan, because I am going to rip you to shreds if you're not. See, you I, are going down. I really hard. should. The locks are tough. See, now I'm backing off. The on, locks you know, are you tough. You know anybody. Indeed you know. You know. Put yourself in the lock position, who was, nail it, and you will be number see, one in my I, heart. For someone who was shoved in the lockers in high school, I was never, <laughs> you know, I was never on the outside yeah, of you the were locks. The, you were yeah. the locky. Yeah, I was the Not the locker, in yeah. the locker. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to go with that being the lie because it's like a tiny lie within a greater truth. No, no, I wouldn't do that. Okay. The, the, so you I, were not a horseback rider? No, I, no, I completely okay. made that up. Okay. You don't even like horses. I went to a party um, when I was like... 
whatever back in the day and yeah. my dad like drove me around in the horse thing and everybody was like happy birthday yeah. <laughs> you know to the horse it was the horse's birthday so it was yeah. and it was good and uh yeah but i've never ridden a horse yeah. but it, probably something similar to that would happen yeah so very likely yeah um super fan super yeah how did you get to the point that you were gonna you decided i'm going on to the show yes. give me that journey so i i think i applied this was my third time applying and it was the first time i got anything back so the first two tapes i sent in um i th you can audition when you're 18 now yeah. so 19 i guess i did or 20 21 and then i'm sitting at home one and heard nothing on those first two tapes sitting at home i was studying for a test and i was like you know what? I, I don't want to study anymore and i got out my laptop single shot three minutes sent it in heard nothing and then in october um they called and they were like, we liked your tape. And I thought it was a joke. Yeah. Someone knew you had applied. Yeah, but, yeah, but it was invested a, it in was a, a new girl number. talking and I don't, girls don't call me. So Got I was it. like, yeah, like this is actually for real. And uh, yeah, it, I so lucky. Like how many people want to freaking do this? And I am lucky enough to get the chance to do it. And it's like, this is like, I, I can't, it's very bad to lose your words when it's a it's a show about talking yeah frequently but that's what it does to me because like i just i'm incredulous to the fact that i'm here you know I, like sitting with you is is crazy you yeah know? like nobody really i could i can't really talk survivor with anybody because do you no, not have people in your life that are survivor my fans? one friend is a survivor fan uh -huh. um he we don't live in the same state though so we just like text yeah, yeah. about it my dad loved the guy he's a casual okay um, Ozzy's the greatest. <laughs> no, he he actually doesn't like that. But I'm like, you gotta listen to this guy Rob Sesternin, yeah. and he's he like, won't do the podcast. No, Got no. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, talking Survivor with people is like something new to me, you know. And talking about myself isn't necessarily like something. I, you know, I, well, I do go down the street talking about myself to random people. Sure. Just, see, you know, see, hey, here's a little crumb for you. you right, know? right. This is who I am. But, uh, yeah, it's it's been great. And, like, meeting the producers and, and probes, I mean, come on, stop. So tell me your philosophy on Survivor. Right. So my philosophy is it's a social game, obviously, and everything emanates from that social game. So a lot of people, if you just watch the show, you and even if you listen to the podcast i think you fall into this lull that everything is about strategy everything and obviously it's a huge part of the game but i always thought the most important moments a lot of the time take place off camera yeah and in those moments you're talking about game of thrones you're talking about sports you're talking about entertainment movies that's where you build connections with people then once you have a little bit of a relationship there then i think you could parlay that into something of strategy it's not just oh okay let's get this hodgepodge together yeah. and, and work with it and you know for me physically um i'm not the i'm not the world's greatest athlete you know i would have to improve to suck in some of these challenges right so that's to my disadvantage in the pre-merge because I don't have a free ticket to the merge. I don't have that, like, let's keep him around for strength. You have I, to work for it. Like, I could struggle with the lock. I could struggle with the, you know, anything, a balance beam, you know? It, yeah, I'm going to have to work for it. And that's not to say, like, the other people don't have to work for it. It's just, like, the target. And especially because Adam just won. Mm. And that's the last thing we saw full season, you know? And 
I, I don't know if, like... Do you think I, kind of, like, visually you project? Yeah, and I would, like, obviously, Adam, Adam, when I'm not comparing myself to Adam, right. but just, like, perceptively, like, we're sitting around, we're looking at each other, and, you know, there's this guy who looks like a, looks like a super fan, looks right. like, kind of like a schemer. I mean, are those things true? Yeah, but, like, you know, I have to really just try and push that down. And I think... I, it actually kind of helped me get on the show having those Davids and Hannahs and Zeeks and Adams, those super fans who really love the game and even Will who wanted to play and finally got their shot and it was a really great season because of it. I think that kind of helped me during the casting process. At the same time, I, you know, I was like, oh man, like, you know. Sure. Let's, uh. Makes you feel the heat a little bit. Yeah. I mean, come on, Ken, let's pull this out, you know. <laughs> you <laughs> could take it to the end Sunday, you know. Yeah. So, all the, it's just all those things. It's pregame. All those things racing through your mind, you know. And it just means so much to me to be here and, and to have it go well would be, I mean, immaculate, right? Of and, course. And to have it, you know, like, I unlocked, like, I'm in the NFL now. I'm in, I know you love sports, you know. Big fan. Yeah, big fan. Go Targaryen, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. It's, yeah. It's, um. So I'm, like, putting on the uniform, and if I go out there and suck, like, at least I still got the uniform, I guess, right? That would be but, my philosophy, yeah, personally. And that's, you know, everybody, even when I was, like, 14, 15, I was like, you know, like, that'd be fun. Like, obviously not old enough to apply. And I was like, yeah, but, I, you know, every reason not to do it. And then I was like, you know, yeah. come on. You can say the word. No, no. <laughs> you know. But I hear you. I yeah. totally do. And it just means so much to me. And, like, being, being out here, you know means means the world to me yeah and um yeah the next person i interviewed immediately after ryan also happens to be the last hustler on the board not to mention our final first one out candidate simone win a diversity advocate whose trip to fiji marks her first time out of the country this is not the first time you've heard from simone of course She's been a soundbite machine, ripping zingers at her fellow castaways, including the Heroes Tribe's Ashley Nolan. She is so insecure. Why do you say that? She, like, every time she looks at a pretty girl, she just looks away. And any time a guy looks at her, she is just eating it up. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this might be one of those girls who thinks, oh, I'm not like other girls. I don't like the drama. And then, and then, like, what's wrong with other girls? Like, what's like, what, what is so inherently bad about hanging out with someone who is prettier than you? I'm sorry, I was born this way. Um, but you know, maybe she's nice. Here's another moment from Simone that you've already heard, describing the Healers Tribe's Rourke Luskin. Uh, yeah, she's gonna die out here. You don't think she'll do well? I don't think that she, no, I think she's probably going to just like trip on something. Like I see her tripping all the time. I don't know if like it's, it's an act or whatever, but she definitely doesn't seem to be connecting with either the cool people or the misfits. There's a lot from Simone that you haven't heard already. Like her thoughts on Dr. Mike Zahalski. He's got to stop trying to psychoanalyze me. Like he, he needs to mind his business because. What's he doing? He is just observing everybody and trying to do like the, like the detached, objective, uh, psychologist kind of thing. Because I, I, I don't know why he thinks that that is a good approach because nobody likes their psychiatrist. But um, that's what he's doing and he's not making any friends. He's not smiling. He's not warm. He's not friendly. And I just need him to stop getting in my business. Here's Simone giving the business to Alan Ball of the Heroes Tribe. I think that he, uh, 
He looks athletic, but he also seems like a really opportunistic guy. I think that he is not going to be shy about hiding his prejudices, and I think that the women are not really going to like that about him. So I think what gets him out is a girls' alliance. And I'm not saying that, you know, the girls need to have like a strong alliance every time, but I think his inability to connect with other women is what's going to do him in. And here's what Simone thinks of Katrina Radke, the Olympian on the Heroes Tribe. Oh, she's definitely a cancer survivor. Interesting. Why do you think so? Because she looks scared all the time. And like she's trying to prove something to herself. And her narrative is probably something like, if I could beat cancer, I could beat anything. And um, I, I, I definitely think that it's a... Like, you see a lot of cancer survivors and a lot of people with medical conditions on this show. And honestly, what they go through is so much worse than what we go through here. But um, in this case, I think that maybe, maybe suffering like this might not have been the best choice for her. Okay. Simone has a lot to say about her fellow castaways, clearly. But in her defense, she isn't cutting everybody down. For instance, she has plenty of kind words about her fellow hustler, Lauren. She's nice. Well, I I, I think that um, at first I thought that she would be kind of like an easy first out just because she looks different than everybody here. But then, like, she held me off the boat. And when she touched me, she had, like, a very gentle like kind of magic touch and I thought to myself like oh like I could see myself cuddling with you like you have a very delicate like calming energy almost like an animal handler like I feel handled right now and here are Simone's thoughts on yet another one of the hustlers Allie Elliott oh my gosh she's so pretty I hate her (laughs) she's so pretty I hate her oh my god like you you gotta be kidding me like you're gonna put me on the beach next to that like I thought I was cute but yeah um she looks she looks cute and um I don't know something about her just makes makes you want to be her friend and I hate that about her Really, Simone's thoughts on Allie perfectly align with her philosophy towards speaking about the entire cast during our interview. I hope, you know, when they're listening to this afterwards, they're going to forgive me for being a little mean. I hate everybody when I first this meet them. Is- Simone reserves the right to change her mind as the game progresses. And now it's your turn to make up your mind about this final player on the field. We're going to get to know Simone in deeper detail in just a moment, including some insight into her single greatest fear heading into Survivor. Hint? It's a topic that Survivor Korong's first boot, Darnell Hamilton, knows all too well. First, one last time, some thoughts from Jeff. Simone is at a crossroads. It's okay to want to think through things and analyze situations, but you can't let people see you do that. Like that phrase, never let them see you sweat. You have to do it while you're laying in the hammock eating a banana you have to analyze with a smile on your face because people read each other. And if you're in the corner going, let's see, if these two and I go with these four, then that'll, you're out. And I, I think, I, I hope Simone's not out early, but I fear she might be. I, I really liked her. I was charmed by her. But now I'm seeing the intensity of the game catch up to her. It's really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Um, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling great. Mostly I'm feeling grateful. Uh-huh. And terrified. A <laughs> that bit. seems to be, you know, that's kind of how you're supposed to feel on, as you're coming on to Survivor, I a think. A little bit. Of, I'm, I'm mostly terrified of, you know, 
the, uh, of shitting in the woods. Uh -huh. I know that I'm not supposed to say that. You can say whatever you want. Yeah, I, I'm mostly afraid of shitting myself in the woods and I'm tired and hungry and it's only the first day, so. I'm just feeling overwhelmed. overwhelmed. But the, the good kind of overwhelmed. Good kind of overwhelmed. Yes, yes, yes. All right, so let's do this thing. Um, let's get to know each other. Two truths and a lie. Okay. Okay? Okay. Um, I have 10 brothers and sisters. Okay. I went to Harvard. Okay. I've never left the country. You've never left the country. I mean, well, here you are. Before this. Before this. Before, before this. Before this. You've never, never left the country before this. I'm going to say that's true. Yes. Is it true? Or did you just pull a lie off on me? That is true. It this is true. Is, this is my first time leaving our great United States. How does that feel? That's great. Well, congratulations. What hell of a way to it, leave it the country. Feels, <laughs> it feels insane. You know, I did, um, you know, I did, I did um, my, you know, my research and my, uh, we have to do a little graduate thesis um, where I went to school and I, I did it about... Which was not Harvard. Which was not Harvard. Okay, got the line. No, I went, uh, I, I went to Columbia. Okay. I went to Columbia and I majored in East Asian Studies. And, you know, I, I basically, you know, studied my parents' experiences of being refugees, their perspectives from the war. And, you know, I've never left the country. We grew up pretty poor, obviously, because my parents are refugees. So... Um, I was never fortunate enough to be able to like reconcile all of my parents' experiences with my own. Yeah. And that that means I've had a very, you know, divorced experience from the South Pacific. So here I am in Fiji, yeah. swimming in the water where my parents' boat, you know, uh, you know, fled from the Vietnam War. Can you tell me a bit about their story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they met each other in Vietnam, my mother is my father's third wife, and there's a little bit of an age difference between them. And, um, you know, they, they met each other during a very tumultuous time, and they were South Vietnamese caught in the war. And when Saigon fell in 75, they got in a boat to you know, escape to somewhere, anywhere but Vietnam. Uh, but their boat was stopped in the South China Sea by Thai pirates. So wow. they they basically floated on the water for a few days, and they were so thirsty and so hungry. And, you know, they basically prayed until they got to a shore, and they did in Thailand, where they spent a couple of years in a refugee camp. And, um, you know, my, my parents are pretty devout. My mom is Catholic and my father is Buddhist. Makes for a very interesting marriage, which is probably why they're divorced. Um, and, you know, after they came to the United States in 1980, I was born 11 years later. And even though they were never really able to learn English all that well and never really able to gain a financial foothold in the United States, um, both myself and my younger sister, Nancy, we were both able to get full rides from multiple Ivy League universities and That's awesome. you know, put ourselves through college while sending money back home to our parents. So I have a pretty strong sense of civic duty. Yeah. But Survivor's just for me. Survivor's just for fun. So tell me about that. Tell me about your relationship with the show. You know, I was 
uh, honest to God, I was, let me start from the beginning, which is actually the election, which depressed me greatly. I was, I was mortified and I was terrified that a reality star became president. And I, I dealt with it the way that so many people do, which is binge watching television. <laughs> And in my case, it was Survivor. And I thought to myself, well, oh, like you can't, I, I guess you can become a reality star and be president. So there's no reason why this shouldn't be me. And if anybody calls me frivolous after this, then clearly they don't know what country they're living in. So I just said, why not me? So the election is what got you into Survivor. So yeah. you're a recent convert. Yeah, well, actually my, my boyfriend is a diehard fan and the, the season that kind of got me to fall in love with the show was actually Qua Rong with Ty. And, you know, I've told other people this, but Ty looks exactly like my dad. But my dad is smaller, and his English isn't as good. And like Ty, he's not really built for this game. Okay. He hates to lie to people, he feels bad deceiving people. And um, when I thought about Ty, who's like my dad out there, I thought to myself, like, I could just as easily go out there and I could just as easily have a good time and I could just as easily do everything that Ty is doing except I wouldn't feel bad about it. So, so in terms of playing the game and having to be ruthless and conniving and manipulative and all of that, you feel like you've got that. Yeah, I mean, all, all these people here are playing Survivor for the first time, but you know, I've been playing Survivor my entire life. I have 10 brothers and sisters. Like, I, I grew up in a tribe. Like, I'm the second youngest. Nobody asks me what I think Nobody wants me to, you know, be the one to call the shots, but I am the one calling the shots because I know how to be diplomatic and I know how to smile until, you know, it's time to stop smiling. Yeah. Um, you mentioned it before, the election and everything, yeah. and it is such a fraught time and it is so crazy. I hope to come out of this experience and go back to the States and find out that Trump has been impeached, but that's a pipe dream of mine. Well, what do you, th what do you think about the fact that you're, you're out of the country for the first time, you're yeah. out of the news cycle for the first time? Yeah. Is that exciting or intimidating? Look, people pay a lot of money sometimes to decompress and be away from technology and people pay a lot of money to go on a diet and I'm doing all of that. And, you know, if I play my cards right, I might just be paid a lot of money. You might make back on your investment. Yeah, yeah. And all I have to do is shit in the woods. So why is that number one on your I've fear list? I've never done it! I've never done it! And um, I've never gone camping, and I'm very panicked, and I'm not afraid of these other people, and I'm not afraid of, like, dying. Nobody's gonna let me die. I'm afraid of myself and what my body is capable of. I don't want to fall, you know, and die and be drowned in my own shit. Yeah. I don't know. It's terrifying. You just gotta hold it in. That's the, I think that's <laughs> yeah. the key. 39 days of holding it in. Holding it in. Maybe that's why people are so grumpy towards the end. <laughs> but in terms of the outdoor stuff, so this is your first camping experience. This is my first camping experience. It's a pretty experience. supreme early first camping experience. Ah, uh, you gotta go hard, you know? Grab life by the ball. Yeah. Do my best. Yeah. I'm doing my best. What kind of prep did you do to, to be ready for this aspect of it? Um... To be ready for the outside. Mm -hmm. I do actually have a book called How to Shit in the Woods. Mm -hmm. um, I'm on the chapter called Digging a Hole, <laughs> and I really hope to to finish it soon. And you, I know, I'm really like terrified. I get it. I don't know. How old were you when you first went camping? Oh my God. Um, Eleven. 
yeah, so you're not scared, but I'm a 25-year-old woman. Right. Like, I spent, you know, I spent my dog days, like, in the books. I was studying. That's why I, I you know, that's why I went to Columbia. <laughs> like, this is... This is not what I'm built for. Fair like, the outdoors is not what I'm built for. Fair enough. Um, um, all right, tell me a little bit about your approach to the game. Um, what is your philosophy on Survivor? Smile until you have to kill somebody, and then when you kill somebody, keep smiling. But I think for the most part, you know, I need to buck the stereotype. You know, as you obviously have observed Asian American women don't typically do that well in the show and I think that's because they're seen as physically expendable but also a strategic threat so what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to be everybody's little sister mm. I'm going to try to not charm people but be charmed by people and I think that if people feel like I'm being taken in by them even if I'm you know even if I'm you know, a strategic threat down the line, if they think they can control me in the beginning, then that's the narrative that I want to spin. Eventually, everybody needs to kind of make out and make their moves, but as a, as a woman in the beginning, you just have to be delicate about it, because uh, there have been times when I've watched the show when I've seen women kind of punished for their strategy, at least in Aubrey's case. So, so uh, idols, are you going to be spending any time looking for idols? Or are you going to be going out and doing that thing? Oh yeah, but usually before I look, I'm going to try to do something like recite a letter from, you know, my my boyfriend Steve, who, you know, wrote me a bunch so that I would have them. And, and then I'm going to say my little sad piece and then say, I just need a minute! And then, and then when I'm saying, ah, I just need a minute, I'm having so many emotions, I think that... You know, that's a good time to go because people need to be able to respect it. And I want to respect other people when they say, like, oh, yeah, yeah, they need a minute. But I'm still in the back of my mind going to be thinking, like, are they the type of person who would break down, especially in the early days? And I don't see myself as the type of person in the early days who would, you know, give in to homesickness. It's not as though I don't feel it, but... You know, I, I think I have pretty good control of my emotions, and I'm pretty good about communicating my feelings. So. How are you keeping that in check with being so far away for the very first time, though? Like, that takes, that, like, that has to be involving, like, you know, flipping a switch. You know, sometimes you just gotta do it, and I feel like, um, back in medieval times, people went days, weeks, years without seeing their people. And look, it's only 39 days. Like, obviously I'm gonna feel the homesickness. I'm not a monster. But, um, you know, I think back to my parents' experiences as refugees. There's nothing here that's going to compare to their experiences. Yeah, I'm gonna be shitting in the ocean. Yeah, I'm gonna be really, really hungry. And yeah, people are gonna be judging me, but you know, if they could not die on the ocean and if they could you know persist and keep living and keep trying to be happy then the least that i could do is just go one more day just go one more day a solid alternate title for First Point Out, especially if this podcast continued past the season's first casualty, but it won't continue past the season's first casualty. 
The heroes, healers, and hustlers are all officially on the board. And soon, we'll know which one of them will be the first one out. A fate they will share with other ancient voices of Survivor lore. I never, ever should have done this again. That, that was what went through my mind. I was like, I'm just, I'm just so, I can't even believe that I did this again. <laughs> like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And I can't believe I'm in this situation again. Man, it was, to me, that was like the most disappointing thing ever, like in my life. You know, it's hard. I'm pretty sure anybody who's been out there and was voted out for us would say the same thing. Like, it, it, it's like taking the air out your lungs. It's so hard. I was just, I guess, surprised. Man, it sucks. Uh, being the first Buddha survivor is is a shitty feeling. Uh, having been voted at first is one of the lowest moments of my life, just because I'm such a big fan. I have, you know, had so much looking forward to this game. We do so much to get ready for it. We put our lives on hold, and then just three days in, that's it, and it's all kind of just cut out from under you. The heroes, healers, and hustlers aren't the only players in this story. Yes, there are only three tribes, and yes, there are only nine men and nine women vying for the million-dollar prize and the sole survivor title this season. But there are many other men and women who have gone home first over the years, as well as other, stranger forces at work here. The survivor gods, for one, and the servants who interpret their will, for another. Their stories... And some final notes on the castaways before we reach that faded First Tribal Council are coming up next in the second-to-last chapter of First One Out. First One Out, a Survivor preseason podcast, is written, hosted, and produced by Josh Wiggler. That's me. It's a co-production between The Hollywood Reporter and Rob Has a Podcast. Taryn Armstrong is our editor, and he very much remains a robot. Credit for the beautiful music in this episode goes to the great Fijian musician Solo and Sato. And credit for the music in our introduction goes to the great Sonia Christopher, the very first one out ever. Special thanks to Sonia and the other former first ones out who agreed to tell their stories on this podcast. Special thanks as well to the team at The Hollywood Reporter for all of their ongoing support, and special thanks once more to Rob Sesternino and the RHAP family for their support. Head to THR.com Survivor for more preseason coverage, including exclusive interviews with the cast members. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at RoundHoward for bonus videos and photos from my time out on location. Subscribe to Rob Has a Podcast at RobHasAWebsite.com iTunes to never miss an episode of First One Out and to check out some extra interviews as we work our way up to the new season. Survivor returns September 27th, and this podcast concludes September 28th. Next time on First One Out. It can't go worse than the first time. Like, that's impossible. As, as great as the game itself is, it's the human stories and these characters that make a good season. That, by the Just way, give it a shot. is our chopper. Just so we can paint the picture. <laughs> I knew she'd be gunning for me. They're rather ingenious, these tribal councils, because there are no cameras that show. You know, they want, we want them to feel the rust on them, you know. It, it, it makes a difference. This is not worth it. <laughs> I realized then I was going to be voted off. Who's, Sorry. who's happening here? Oh, boy. Oh, boy.